This is Terry Roberts from the National Padilla Center, and you're listening to the Think, Discuss, Act podcast, the show that explores the great ideas, especially for people who enjoy thinking about the ambiguities of life. Today, we're engaged in a Bonus Bites episode that flows out of a previous recording on memory and imagination. Specifically, we're talking about creativity in the classroom with Nikki Ellis, who is the academic dean at the Chattanooga Christian School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. She is a longtime English teacher, uh, director of plays, and I'm very excited to report she also has a master's degree in liberal arts from St. John's College, which is very closely connected, of course, to the Padilla tradition, my own tradition. We're both former English teachers, and so today's episode may veer in that direction, but we're also both very creative people, so it may veer off in almost any direction. Uh, Nikki, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Um, let's just begin with a broad question. Talk a little bit about creativity in the classroom and why do you think it's so extraordinarily important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Terry. Um, I do think it's important. And I think it even even the conversation and the question encompasses so many things. Um, I notice you didn't even say creativity in the classroom for students, right? Which leaves open the the role and the importance of creativity in the classroom for teachers as well. Um, and I think my 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 answer and my thoughts on there would really address both, um, both the student and the teacher, um, the, the administrator prowling the hallway. Um, I think what when we are thinking about creativity, we are interested in a deeper recognition of who our students are. Um, and what they're what they're called to be in the world that that transcends and goes beyond things that are often um, simply on the level of of productive or or sticking to the rules. I've got a quote here from a book called Culture Care: Reconnecting with Beauty for Our Common Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a really helpful way of thinking about it. So the the author says. And he's he's talking about generative thinking as this connection. So generative thinking is fueled by generosity because it so often must work against a mindset that has survival and utility in the foreground. In a culture dominated by this mindset, generosity has an unexpectedness that can set the context for the renewal of our hearts. I think that language of seeking and pursuing the renewal of our hearts, right? So the sense of the the deep innermost part of a person that shapes and pours out of all that they are. What is it to seek the renewal of that? Um, And to recognize that so often that's needed in a context that makes survival, utility, commodification, um, the greatest level of value, right? So the question is um, who I am, is what I love and what I can generate and what I can build and what I can make and what I can contribute to the world. Um, rather than I think so often that question of who I am is, is what I can buy or be sold or measure up against. Um, that's often a part of our broader culture. So yeah, I think about what is it, what is it for the teacher to be involved in the creative and collaborative work of, of building curriculum, not just executing curriculum. 
Um, what is it for the students to be involved in making connections and bringing ideas together, um, not just answering closed-ended questions? Um, so yeah, I think those are the, the the essence is who is the person in the classroom, whether student or teacher? What are they meant to be, um, and what does it look like to renew the deepest part of that of that who-ness? I love that answer because it's so big. It affects so many attributes of what happens in the classroom and on a very humane level, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, yeah. it talks about teachers and students yeah. as creative individuals, as generative individuals who produce things, not just consume things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really powerful. Um, and I also think it reverses, it flips the narrative, so to speak, on, on our current classroom obsession with speed and productivity and efficiency. Uh, and it allows us to be human. So let's let's just play with that idea for a minute. Let's be generative ourselves. Were our classrooms more like that, hmm. what would the result be? What kinds of students would we I don't want to say produce because that sounds like we're mm -hmm. manufacturing them. It's to hard standard. to even talk about, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. We need a new language to talk about this kind of thing. So what kind of students would we nurture mm. in classrooms like that? Yeah, um, and I, I do like the use of the word nurture there. That's nice. Um, um, I think... Um, I, th I think so much of the ability to see as part of this conversation, right? So that that aspect of creativity or generativity, um, I think comes from an ability to look around um, and notice what isn't and could be, right? Or what is and could be better or different or stronger or stranger or more colorful um, or more connected and more coherent. Um, so I, I really think a lot of it comes to that capacity of learning to see. Um, so I, I think there would be an, an attentiveness, right? That might be demonstrated um, at an increased level. Um, I, I think of sort of a little bit of freedom from um, constraint and constraint can come from so many different directions, right? I can be constrained by a fear of failure, which is one of the constraints I personally struggle with a little bit more. Um, I can be constrained by a lack of knowledge, right? So I don't know enough to, to know how to respond to the brokenness that I see. Um, I can't figure out what answers are. So I, I, those are some of the things. Um, so yeah, an increase in attentiveness and being able to see um, being a little bit more unconstrained um, and I do think it looks, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this language of sort of the, the utility and what are all the other things that kind of keep us um, in lockstep. I had a student say recently that his experience coming to our school from, from the school that he was in was, it feels like the students here each have their own thing going on. And at my own school, everybody felt like they were posing and yet trying to be the same person. I thought that was just fascinating. Um, so I think that that a, a posture and a stance and exercise of creativity also values the really and true diversity and differences that each individual brings rather than sort of creating that, um, a need for sameness as the good, right? And whether that's a 
cultural pressure or a, an actual exerted pressure on people. So I think those are, those are some of the things I would start to start to want to see or hope for or aim towards. Yeah, I, I have to agree. And I think also an attitude among the teacher and the students yeah. that, that says to each individual, we're here to help you be that individual, not to get in your way, not to cause you to conform, not to create the kind of social pressure that makes you want to be like the most popular students or be like some, I don't know, imaginary academic grind that only gets A's and only gets A pluses so that the numbers all add up to admission to the best college or university, that kind of thing. But how can we create not just new answers, but ask new questions of the curriculum? Mm. Um, an example I think of is we do a seminar on the periodic table of the mm. elements. And for those of you out there in the listening world who get a little shudder because you had a traumatic experience in chemistry, I apologize. Um, you can see in your mind's eye that periodic table hanging on the wall. Well, the post-seminar activity was to create a better representation of the elements and their relation to each other, a round periodic table, a globular periodic table, a triangular periodic table, an artistic periodic table. In other words, the list goes on and on and on, but yeah. the idea is not to stop with an analysis of something that already exists, something that somebody else produced, but to allow our students the ability to produce their own vision. Well, and I um, like that question so much, Terry, too, because it it's, I don't believe, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that the reason that question is posed is so that we can find a better periodic table, right? It's not like this is a problem. We've actually got to solve it. We're confident mm -hmm. that some child in high school is going to land on this answer for us, maybe, but that's mm -hmm. not primarily the purpose. That that purpose of what is it to ask a question that that provokes thought by removing an expected boundary. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that alone, right? That has to happen in community and in dialogue and conversation with other people. So I do think so much of it is, am I, you know, as a teacher, surrounding myself with people who are going to provoke thought by asking these sorts of questions that are going to remove the boundaries that I think are there that aren't actually there. Yeah. And be the kind of teacher who has her own openness, right? Mm -hmm. So that when that student actually takes us there, yeah. rather than suppressing that radical act, the teacher's able to say in all genuineness, I never saw it that way before your word from earlier in our mm -hmm, conversation. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it that way before. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we get nervous about questions like that because it sounds like the goal is to throw out the periodic table or the text or whatever the current model is. And I and, and, and what it takes, right, is that switch in the mind to say, no, the goal of the question is to see a new, right, 
the goodness or beauty of a particular model or to get behind it to what in actuality is there that it's representing right adequately or inadequately so again i mean yeah even that question right is an invitation to see um something familiar in a new way mm -hmm. i love the fact too in a practical way that you said not only is it the teacher and her students in the classroom it's that administrator who's lurking out there in the hallway like Bella Lugosi, you know, come to slam the lid down on all this creativity and return us to the standardized view of the world, whether it be algebra one or biology or seventh grade science, etc. That administrator himself or herself has to also have that willingness to take the lid off rather than to screw it on even more tightly. Yeah. Oh, uh, for more of those administrators in schools. Yeah, and I think really important to say there too, and this maybe is even like in defense of myself in an almost problematic way, but it's it's not being a certain type of person or not. It is a a, it has to be a driven and intentional practice against a river pushing you in the other direction. I mean, the number of days I think about and, and fail at, right, what is it to aim into creativity and renewal and generativity because the email is there and present and ever growing and the the urgent is pressing at the door and there's a knock and a need. Um, and so both what is it to figure out how to navigate that press of utility, right? In the context of scarcity of time and human resources to still recognize the importance of beauty, creativity, and generativity um, and the responsibility of the leader, whether that leader is a student in a group conversation or a teacher in a classroom or an administrator in the hallway is to do the work first. Mm -hmm. What does it look like for me to put forth constant and deliberate effort to show up as the richest human being I can bring to the conversation? Yeah. And that's so hard. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm so thankful that you framed all of this as aspirational rather than a point of arrival. I know I am not able to speak at any of that from a level of expertise, um, but in hearing the words, generated by your provocative questions. I am reminded of truths that I need to hear in order to see my own work differently than I than I do. Yeah. And so much of that gets lost yeah. in the hectic, right? Oh I mean, yeah. yeah, we do a hectic dance every day to keep up. And, mm -hmm. and that's true if, if of our best students in many cases, that's mm -hmm. true of our best teachers, true of our best administrators. Yeah. And all that external pressure that says we must go faster, we must yeah. go faster, we must yep. go faster. And and yet here we are, the two of us, saying that perhaps we have to step back from that and mm -hmm. bleed some of the pressure off the system. Yeah. Um, in order to allow creativity, not just to inspire it and nurture it, but just to give the space in the, the chronological space and the margin to let students and teachers be marginal. Mm. You know, one of the one of the things we know about the psychology of creativity is that creators like 
are comfortable on the margins. Yes. They don't have to be smack yes. in the middle of the target. They want to right. be different. Yeah. I'm so um, glad you mentioned that. The same book that I opened with a quote from, um, he refers to uh, an old English word, um, the, the mirk stop us or the border walkers, right? Mm-hmm. So this idea very much like you're saying of being on the margins and living on the edge. And so these people, creatives, artists, right? Whose role in the community is to be on the edges of the community center part and yet interacting with the the other world, right? And all the things that might be, the culture next door, the, the more transcendent, um, a deeper understanding of the natural world, all the other worlds, right? That surround our community and to be the kind of um, exploratory gateway, right? So bringing those things back and opening the experience of others. So we so that the even the person, even the, the the persons, the structures, what have you, at the very most center of the community, desperately need that um, the artist, the creative, the one who is existing on the margins to bring those things back for renewal, right? So we're back mm-hmm. to this notion of renewal in this case for the community, not just for the individual. So. Um, and I think that's helpful too, because a little bit of it is like, oh, okay. When we talk about creativity, we don't necessarily mean let's figure out a way to make every single student a visual artist, mm-hmm. right? Or these sorts of things that we can get stuck in. Um, but what is it to have some of that um, that openness towards the particular creativity that is present in each one? And then also for the, I, I do think the few, right? Who really will have, more of an artistic stance or sensibility and their function in life will be to be, um, to be the border walkers. Um, and if you, if everybody's walking on the border, that's the new center. (laughs) Yeah, right. Absolutely. And then it'll be the person who was at the center who's now on the margins. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, Thanks to great. It's, it's that idea that somebody has to look out Mm -hmm. from the center and see what's possible. Um, for the community, because you're right. I think that one of the ways in which schools have the ability to nurture creativity is they are a natural born community if we're willing to view them that way. And so these individuals, the border walkers, the the risk takers, the resilient among us, have a community that can create a safe space for them to take risks, but also a community against which they are aligned in some cases. They are on the edge. They are on the verge. They're looking out rather than trying desperately to get to the center. Um, That's exciting. That's a very, very different way of looking at the classroom and looking at the school. We're not done. We've we've merely um, primed the pump for talking about creativity and education. I want to thank you, Nikki, Hmm. for engaging with me in this conversation. 